All right, if we could find our way back to a seat, that would be great. Well, when you pulled in this morning, you may have looked at the uh, church outside and thought, wow, they really didn't get much accomplished on work day, and you would be right, we didn't, because we didn't work. It was too cold and too wet, and so we didn't do it. So we've rescheduled it for Saturday, April the 14th, Saturday, April the 14th, so you can, uh, you can put that on your schedule. That same day, in, later on in the evening, is the men's uh, Simple Life small group. We'll be meeting here at the church. I believe that's at 5 o'clock. Uh, so men, you can come and work, and then you can come back and be part of the small group that evening. And then uh, Audubon Villa, that will be Sunday, April the 15th, and uh, the 22nd. I'm sorry, the 22nd, Sunday, April the 22nd. So uh, you're welcome to join that group, right, as, as they go? And you're just meeting there, right? Oh, we, we are going to have lunch at our house immediately after church to okay. prepare, and then we go to... Okay. So if so, people want to come to our house, they should let us know ahead of time so that we know to have food for them. Okay, so if you're planning to come on the 22nd, see Doug and Leslie so they're aware of that. If you're not going to make lunch, I think you can still come, yeah. but at 2 o'clock, so just let them know uh, what you're doing. And then Wednesday, April the 18th, we'll have missionary Shahan Tiberian will be here, and uh, I would encourage you to uh, come out and be part of that. Shahan is a great speaker. I've, uh, I've met Shahan, and uh, he, is, he, is an, he is an interesting guy. He is of Al Albanian descent, and uh, uh, came to this country and became a Philadelphia lawyer. And uh, he has been a Philadelphia lawyer, and in the midst of being a Philadelphia lawyer, God called him to go back to Albania as, and, uh, as, as a missionary. So uh, he'll be here to speak, and I, you will enjoy hearing Shahan. So I would encourage you to come out for that on uh, Wednesday, April the 18th. And then on uh, Sunday, April the 29th, Jim Shambach, a, a friend of mine, will be here uh, talking about his ministry, M28 Ministries. And um, I've, I've talked to some of you about uh, Jim, uh, if you were here on a Wednesday night a couple of Wednesdays ago. Uh, Jim was the executive pastor at a, at a very large church and has left that to uh, reach out to those that the church is missing. And, uh, and so he has an interesting story and he'll be sharing uh, that day. And then Youth Day is April the 15th and we're looking forward to, we're looking forward to honoring our youth that day. And uh, one other announcement that I wanted to make. Some of you I know support Andrew Taylor and APT Ministries, and maybe you get his emails, maybe you don't. But his Bible school in Fiji was hit by flooding and, and uh, had some pretty severe damage to it. And so if you would be interested in, in helping him in, in, with support in that way, uh, with that damage, you can uh, do that. And if you want to put something in the offering today or next week or whenever you wish and earmark it for that, we'll make sure um, that he gets it. Men, I think, we're, uh, I think we're ready now. Lord, we just thank you for your many blessings and all that you do for us. And we thank you for the way you've provided for us so many times, so many, many times. 
And uh, Lord, we just pray this morning for these tithes and offerings. We pray that you would bless them, that you would use them to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Kristen, we'll give it up. It is April Fool's Day, and apparently, and apparently the projection system is playing along with the day, and uh, so it is decided today it will not show any videos, so we'll just, we'll just go with that. We'll at least bring up the PowerPoint, see if it'll play with the PowerPoint at all. Okay, so that's not there either. Okay. Well, then it doesn't want to play at all today. Well, we're continuing on our series, and Jesus last week was in Jericho. And so we've been following Jesus' journey, his final journey to Jerusalem. He's left Jericho, and now today he is arriving in Jerusalem. That's why it's Palm Sunday today. He's making his triumphal entry, but... On the way to Jerusalem, it's important to understand that when he left Jericho, he didn't leave Jericho alone. Scripture tells us, Matthew tells us, that when he left Jericho, he left with a crowd. There was a crowd that followed him out of Jericho. There's about 15 miles between Jericho and Jerusalem. So they followed him along the way. He came to Bethany before he came to Jerusalem. And the scripture tells us, John tells us, that in Bethany there was another crowd, and it was a crowd that came out of Jerusalem and came to Bethany because they heard that he was going to be in Bethany. And they not only wanted to see Jesus, but they also wanted to see this guy Lazarus who had been raised from the dead after being dead for three days. How many of you think you would want to see a guy that had been dead for three days and raised again? Yeah, that would be an interesting sight to see. So there was a crowd that came out to Bethany to see that. So you had the crowd coming with Jesus from Jericho, and now you have the crowd that comes out of Jerusalem to come into Bethany to, to see Jesus and to see Lazarus. So now you have a, a big crowd. And Jesus then leaves Bethany to come to Jerusalem. And Luke tells us that as he's coming into Jerusalem, now there is this other group that hears he's coming and comes out of Jerusalem to welcome him as he's coming into Jerusalem. So we're talking about a big crowd. This is a huge crowd 
that is there to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. And it's, it's not just a crowd that's made up of those who are his followers. Because we know that there were Pharisees in the crowd too because they were telling Jesus, stop these people from, from saying these things about you, King of the Jews. Tell them to stop saying that. So it wasn't all his followers, but there was this huge crowd, and I'm sure there were some that were just there out of curiosity. But if you want to turn this morning to Luke chapter 19, and we'll be begin with verse 28, and we'll read uh, Luke's version of this event. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. And understand that Bethany is just right outside of Jerusalem. It's a little village just outside of it. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, tell him, the Lord has need of it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls." They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Lord, we just thank you for your word that speaks truth to our hearts. And Lord, we just pray this morning that you would just open our hearts to your truth. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, may we walk out of this place changed by what you say. And we'll just thank you and give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is this huge crowd that, is, that has gathered outside of the city and they're, they're taking their outer garments and they're laying them on the ground in front of Jesus. And other, winds, other ones are going out and they're pulling branches off palm trees and they're, they're laying those on the ground in front of Jesus as he's riding in on this colt. And so it's the, the entrance of a king. It's a grand entrance. And why are those people there? Because they've seen the miracles. They've experienced the miracles. And you have to think that there are those who were part of that crowd 
who couldn't see but now can see. There are those who are part of that crowd who couldn't walk but now are standing and are able to pull branches off of trees and are able to walk out on the road and put their garments on the road in front of him. There, there are lepers, who, who former lepers, who couldn't be part of any kind of a crowd that now can be part of the crowd, can be part of the celebration. There are those who were demon-possessed, who couldn't worship God, who couldn't be part of, of anything like this, but they've been set free, and they're rejoicing in that freedom. All of those people have to make up this crowd that is rejoicing in Jesus' arrival. And, and why are they rejoicing? They're rejoicing because of the hope that he's given them. Those who are along the road begging have to beg no more. Those who were dependent on others for their well-being are dependent no more. Those who were bound are set free. There's hope. They found hope in Jesus. And there are others in the crowd who recognize that, that their only hope is in Jesus. For whatever their current situation is. Now the thing that I find so interesting is that you fast forward 2,000 years. And you come to the church of today. And you could go around the churches of Lidditz, around the churches of Lancaster County. And you could ask many of them, is there hope for today in Jesus? Is there hope for healing today? And they would tell you no. Is there hope for deliverance today? They would tell you no. Is there hope for provision today? They would tell you no. That, that, time, is, that time is past. That time is, that time is gone. I mean, there's hope for salvation, there's hope for, the, for eternity, there's that hope. But as far as today, as far as right now, well, gee, that, that, that's past, that, that, that's gone. But I want to tell you that there is still hope for today. Amen. There is still hope for today. He is still our healer. Amen. I think, of, again, of those who must have been in the, in the crowd that day. I wonder whether blind Bartimaeus made the trek. I would think he almost had to make the trek and be part of, of that crowd. All of those characters that we read about, those people that we read about that Jesus healed, how many of them were part of that crowd? God spoke through, the, through Isaiah the prophet concerning the Messiah who would come, and he, he said these things about him. He said, surely... He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. And for that reason, the apostle Peter could echo those same sentiments in 1 Peter chapter 2 when, when he wrote, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, 
so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Because of that. And then James. James writes this in chapter 5 of his book. Is any one of you sick? Are you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Listen, it would have been silly for James to even write that if it ended when James died. That would have been a silly thing to even write. He wrote it because it's true for us today. We still believe that when we gather together and we lay hands on the sick and we anoint them and we pray over them, that there is healing. And many of you here this morning have experienced that healing. You know what I'm talking about. I know for myself. The touch of God in our lives. He is still our healer. And he is still our deliverer. I have to wonder how many of those who were demon-possessed were part of that crowd. How many of them had come to welcome him, him into the city of Jerusalem? I was kind of wondering, as I read over it, I thought, what about the guy who was in the graveyard who was out of his mind? Is there any way that he made his way to Jerusalem? To be part of this? I had to wonder. Who all was there? In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus quoted from the prophet Isaiah again concerning himself this time. And this is what he was quoting from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom, freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, the prisoners he was talking about were not the prisoners in prison. They were the ones who were in prison to sin, that were being held captive by sin. The oppressed, that's who he came to release, that's who he came to set free. Jesus promised the disciples, and these things will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Those who believe, in my name, they will drive out demons. They will have the authority to be able to do that. And the Apostle Paul experienced that in his own life because it tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that God did extraordinary miracles through him. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. And Paul knew what that was all about because he even said regarding himself, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And he wasn't talking about just the attacks of men. He was talking about the attacks of Satan, the attacks of the enemy. Listen, he is still the deliverer. That hasn't changed. And I feel like we cut him so short on that. And actually cut ourselves so short. 
We try to find all sorts of other ways of being set free from those things that oppress us when the answer is in Christ. Freedom is in Christ still today. And then there's provision. Jesus is still our provider. And I got to thinking about that too. I thought, how many from the 5,000 who were fed were in Jerusalem for this event? How many from the 4,000 that were fed were in Jerusalem for this event? Because they knew Jesus as provider. They knew the miracle that happened out there in the wilderness. They knew about the fish and the bread that was multiplied. How many of them were part of that crowd. Jesus, on another occasion, as he sat on the mountainside teaching, he told, he told the crowd that was following him this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagan runs after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He knows what we need. And he tells us that he will provide what we need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He's still our provider. He is still our provider. And that's why Paul could write to the church in Philippi, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Because Paul knew him as provider. And he's our provider. But there are some things that the crowd that, that, there, that was there in Jerusalem couldn't know. There were some things that they couldn't know as, as hope for today because they didn't have the opportunity to experience it. And one of the things that they really couldn't know the fullness of is they really couldn't know the fullness of forgiveness. Because Jesus hadn't yet died on the cross. He hadn't yet died for their sins. So they couldn't, they couldn't understand the fullness of that. But let me tell you this morning that sin carries a weight with it. Sin carries a weight. And you really don't need to convince a sinner that what they are doing is wrong. You really don't have to convince a sinner that they have a weight on their shoulders. They know it. They may not admit to it, but they know it. 
Now, that's one of the things that I think is often funny with, with we as believers is we think we need to convince people of their, uh, that, that they're sinners. They have that all figured out. That's why if you go into downtown Lidditz and you enter any of the bars in downtown Lidditz, the bar is what? It is dark. It's dark for a reason. It's dark for a reason. Because of what happens there. It's dark for a reason. There's a reason why we have the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Because we know what we're doing isn't right. And we don't want anybody to know about it. There's a reason why we hide the things that we do that we know are sinful. Because we know they're sinful. Sinners know that they're sinful. They know it. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 reads like this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. When we try to hide it, when we hope that nobody knows, there's a weight and there's a burden that goes along with that. There's a weight and there's a burden that goes along with that. Man, I watched some of the, the sinners that I worked with when I was with the state police. And I watched the burdens that they carry from the stuff they were doing and trying to hide. I watched guys in my office who were having affairs and scooting around and trying to cover their tracks. And, try, and they were so burdened. In fact, I remember the one guy, he was a fairly young guy, healthy guy, collapsed one day in the office. I had to take him to the hospital. I said, man, what is going on with him? One guy said to me, well, when you're having an affair and you're trying to keep it covered up, that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of strain to try to carry around. Listen, sin has a, has a lot of weight to it. It has a lot of weight to it. And Jesus knew that. And what did Jesus say? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. And you will find rest for your souls. The apostle Peter reflected this when he told the crowd in the temple, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That Why? So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So you can know those times of refreshing. And there are many of you in the room today who know what I'm talking about. Because you remember when you gave your life to Christ. You remember when you surrendered your sins to Christ. And you remembered feeling the weight of that burden lifted from your life. That it was gone, that it was no more. And that's a tremendous feeling. When we know that the weight of sin is lifted from us. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 says it this way, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Put it aside. Find forgiveness. That's something that you and I can know today. When our sins are forgiven, it's not only, 
Not only do we have the promise of eternity, and we're going to talk about that next week, but we have the blessing today to know that we're forgiven and walking in that forgiveness. And then the other thing that, that this group really couldn't understand as, as a hope for today was power. They really couldn't understand that because that really was not available to them. It, well, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. So they couldn't know that, but that's something that we know for today. Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You don't need to walk in weakness. You don't need to walk in fear. Because you can know the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We don't have to tremble every time the enemy stomps his foot. Because of the power that we have in Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 13 verse 34 in the King James Version reads like this. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey. Who left his house and gave authority... He gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. The Son of Man is like that man. He gave all of his servants work to do before he left. He gave their assignments. This is what you need to do. And then he gave them what? The authority to carry it out. The authority to do what he asked them to do. And that's what he's done for us. He's given us the power and the authority to walk out the life that he's given us to live. To do the things that he's called us to do. And with that power comes spiritual gifts. Paul enumerated some of them in 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the Spirit of the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of those things and more are given to us so that we can do the work that is put before us. So that we can walk in power, we can walk in strength. That's a hope that we have for today that these folks didn't know anything about. The crowd surrounding Jesus as he entered Jerusalem had great hope for Jesus in their present situation. We know they didn't understand the whole thing. They didn't understand that Jesus was going to die on the cross. They didn't understand he needed to die for their sins. They didn't get all that. All they got was right now, today, Jesus was meeting their needs. That's the, that's the only thing that they got. So many of us look to eternity and we say, well, we have hope for eternity. But so many believers today fail to see that they have hope for right now, today, for this hour. Hope for healing, hope for provision. Hope for deliverance, hope for forgiveness of sins, hope for power. All of that's available to us right now. The question is, why don't we walk in it? 
What prevents us from walking in it? We should be rejoicing far more than that crowd that was in front of Jerusalem. We have more to praise God about than that crowd even imagined. Because of the hope that we have for today. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning. Lord, we just thank you for the hope that you give us for today. I thank you for the hope that you give us for today. Lord, I just thank you that you didn't just put us here and leave us to to muddle through. but you provided everything that we need. And Lord, I just pray that this morning you would make that very real to each one of our hearts. Well, I just just pray that there would be no one here that would leave today under the delusion that There is no hope for these things today. I just pray that that no one would leave with that. Lord, but they would be encouraged by that. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us today before we leave this place to put those things that burden us at the feet of your cross, those, 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 the healing that we need, the deliverance that we need, the provision that we need. Lord, may we, may we bring those things to you. Forgiveness that we need, power that we need. May we bring those things to you before we leave this place so that you can meet those needs.